Welcome to the MLI podcast. My name is Marcus Kolga. I'm joined today by Colonel Ilmar Tum of the Estonian National Armed Forces and Major General Anders Dillens of the Latvian National Armed Forces. Tell me a little bit about your roles in the Baltic College and tell me about uh, what the Baltic Defense College does. Who, Where is it located and what do you do at the Baltic Defense College? The Baltic Defense College this year is celebrating, actually this month, celebrating 20 years anniversary of its establishment. It has been inducted in 1999 on 25th February, just the day after the Estonian Independence Day. And actually Leonard Murray, in, uh, he actually delivered the induction speech. Therefore, this year we are celebrating the 20 years already of establishment. Of course, the establishment of the college was aimed mostly for the officers with kind of Soviet army background to transform them, them to the Western military. Actually, the college was built with a great support from the countries like Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Finland, Canada, US, France, UK. Uh, this is the uh, countries who actually helped us to the boats to establish the war college level institution, professional military education institution, in order to get into the NATO for a smooth integration into NATO. Because the strategic goal at that time also was to integrate with the Western security architecture uh, in the Baltics. And since we were invited in 2002 uh, to NATO during the Prague summit and joined the NATO 15 years ago, 2004, as well as the European Union, the college being owned by the Baltic nations. The college belongs to the three nations equally, shared even financially, uh, for uh, Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania. My role is as a commandant, mainly dealing and administrating, is managing the college on a daily basis. Of course, if there is a capacity and possibility, I would like to also to deliver the education or lecture myself. This is my role. Well, for my role, since uh, last year of August, uh, when I assumed the position of uh, Joint Command General Staff Course Director, pretty much you could say as a manager, trying to ensure that the course for the senior staff officers is going on how it was planned and how it should be delivered. As Commandant said, it's the main goal is to maintain the quality of education. And our course, current course comprises 62 students, majority of them are rank of major and a few of some colonels. We have 13 nations represented. Besides of the Baltic states, we have also Canadian, we have an American, Dane, Norwegian, Slovak, Ukrainian, Georgian, and uh, Moldovan and German. So it's, it's quite a diverse group of promotable uh, young uh, future senior officers. And, and that this diversity makes a, a good mix of uh, getting uh, not just learning outcomes, but also they can share experience with their previous career. So the original purpose of the, of the Baltic Defense College, if I understand it correctly, was to take, as you mentioned, Soviet-era leadership and educate them and bring them up to speed with Western standards. And that all obviously changed lead up to NATO accession. So what are the primary things that you're, you're teaching at the Baltic Defense College right now? The primary programs what we are delivering now to, for the needs of the Baltic uh, nations at first, but of course it's delivered for the needs also of our allies and partners. The Baltic Defense College or nations, uh, Latvia, Lithuania and Estonia, we are sponsoring also the uh, partner nations like uh, Ukrainian students, Moldovan students and Georgian students. It also brings to 
to help them to transform their um, security architecture and the defense forces and the defense system in their countries. That's actually one of the roles what the college does. But primary role, of course, is to educate our students at the operational and strategic level. Uh, we have several programs. So one at Azilmer, uh, he leads the operational level program. Then we have a higher command studies course, which is actually a war college equivalent. That is, uh, we are preparing the leaders for strategic level. Those are already the colonels for future potential to be promoted to the flag officers uh, or uh, general rank officers and not only but we are educating also the civil servants from the actually in all the courses in all the programs mm -hmm. it's not only the military it might be misleading the name of the Baltic defense colleges only as but we educate other students uh, from other countries and also we educate not only military but civilians other programs what we deliver is a civil servants course and uh, uh, senior leaders course. Actually, this is a one-week seminar for a flag officer at ambassadorial level uh, in order to familiarize uh, these uh, high-level people with the security environment in the Baltic nations. And as a Canada now is a framework nation to the Latvia as NATO, leading the NATO troops on the United Nations. Canadians are very appreciate that and always have at least two, three folks on that senior leaders course. Uh, from the, this fall, we will also to introduce the command senior enlisted pro, uh, leaders program uh, for senior strategic level non-commissioned officers. This is the five programs what the Baltic Defense delivers annually. So it, it sounds to me like this is a very critical tool for integration between the Baltic states themselves, other Central and Eastern European nations, certainly allies. How, how important it is, is it to fostering further dialogue and understanding amongst all of our allied nations and within the Baltic states themselves? Well, that's uh, exa exactly what we play the role. We are kind of catalyst between the three Baltic nations because uh, the folks, the building and networking is very important. That's the one thing. And of course, we also add to the research in defense and security field as well. As our students are asked also to, to deliver the applied research papers on the request from the nations, uh, they look at the issues and things what is important for the nation. They could help to bring their papers and to make a policy paper back in capitals. Uh, this is uh, how we try to integrate not only just educating the officers and civil servants, but also to do some scientific and research in the field of security and defense. So if I can switch from the Baltic Defense College to actual security challenges, let's, let's start with the, uh, just a broader question. What today, now that there, there's the enhanced forward presence, what today are the greatest challenges facing Baltic security? Well, uh, we are not living in the vacuum. We joined the NATO in European Union 15 years ago. Of course, we shared the same threat assessment and uh, security challenges, same as all Europe or all NATO. Of course, the security environment is kind of complex today, but uh, it's ranged from the, the, the extremists and terrorists and also to the state actors like Russia. Well, uh, you said the challenges. Uh, I could uh, a bit argue, you know, of course, the, even the NATO chiefs of defense a few weeks ago in uh, Brussels, they confirmed that NATO has uh, two challenges, one coming from a state actor uh, from Russia, one is coming from non-state actors like terrorists and extremists in, all around the world. For me, of course, the, ter the terrorists are kind of challenge. State actor Russia, who is constantly developing the military capability, including the nuclear capability, supersonic weapons, and uh, also using the chemical agents uh, towards the European and NATO ally. The, this is a threat. Actually, the uh, Russia is a state actor for Baltics, at least in my mind. This is a threat. Of course, threat depends on two, um, uh, two sides, one of the capability, one of intent. And if you observe the, the, the state actor, our neighbor, 
they are developing this capability. The military capability also using the, all the information, disinformation, uh, tools, uh, cyber uh, domain, everything is used against the allies uh, in NATO. You know. Uh, of course, we don't know the intent, whether it's likely or unlikely to, that Russia will attack um, the, the, the NATO. I would say no, it's uh, because we do not observe the intent for Russia to, not to go to war with NATO. This is uh, how I could describe the security challenge in the Baltic region. But with the increasing capabilities on the kinetic side, how are the Baltic states responding to this? I mean, we, of course, we have the EFP, but are there other ways of responding to that threat? Well, I think but let's put back in Baltic Defense College's perspective, because what is the most critical is the also human capacity. Uh, we are investing on the human and the staff officer, ensuring that they are able to interoperable and operate in the same domain with allies. We try to teach them the same language in how we do the planning, how we do the sustainment plans, and if you need, how to execute those things. In practically, also, you conduct a number of exercises to increase the readiness and that's, that's one way how you can actually improve. I could add in this, actually, of course, uh, we as a nations, from practical terms, we increase our defense, not spendings, but investments, uh, up to 2% out of the uh, gross domestic product. This is the first one. This is the political will that was not acceptable like uh, 10 years ago after the Georgia war. Estonia did it. Uh, Latvia, Lithuania, we didn't. Actually, kind of a snooze the, the button for a wake-up call. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, after the Crimea, the, actually, that was really the alarm to, to, to wake up, you know. Sure. And now we're up and actually we are following the, all the requirements what the NATO says or allies says regarding the investments, but also we are procuring capability. I'm used to say sometimes that we re- learned the NATO treaty in the reverse order. When we joined the NATO in 2004, we were actually knowing only the Article 5. And Article 5 is attack on the ally, uh, on the one of the allies is attack uh, on the everyone in the NATO, and uh, we didn't pay attention. We actually were dreaming that NATO will come, and NATO spins around us, and they will come and help and everything. We are not even investing, actually. We are not serious. Let's, let's be frank on this. We'll be self-critical. Then, a bit later, you know, in 2014, we learned there is Article 4, which talks about the consultations, and we request as a nation uh, to NATO for Article 4 invocation. And Article 4 was invoked. What that, uh, does Article provide? That provides a consultation with the NATO and, of course, a diplomatic tool to kind of deter the other. If the nation feels threatened, the NATO is kind of start to involve in a political dialogue. But then just later in 2016 around, we learned that there is Article 3, which talks about the self-defense capability. Mutually, in cooperation with other allies, you are obliged to invest in your defense capability. Therefore, now we are investing defending our countries in defense capability, procuring the equipment is needed. Of course, the Russia used this as a disinformation. We are now escalating the situation. The NATO came to their door. There is a bluff about it, but actually, as a nation, we are doing quite significant change uh, in comparison 10 years ago. So that's, you bring up a good point about the disinformation. And uh, we hear a lot from, certainly from the Kremlin, from the Russian embassy in in Ottawa, and some of the proxies that support Support Russia's positions here in Canada. One of the arguments is that um, Russia is responding to the increasing threat of, of being isolated by NATO. Is there any truth to this sort of argument on on the Russian side? To as a Canadian, it, it seems hard to uh, digest that sort of a, a narrative. Seems like the Baltic states and, and other Central and Eastern European countries in NATO are just trying to, to provide security and defend themselves. Uh, any thoughts on that? You know, there is a military saying, you know, the, the, the geography leads to military strategy. 
of course, it's very dependent uh, where you are geographically residing. As I am residing, as my country resides, and uh, we share the border with a neighbor like Russia, of course, we would like to have good relations with, between the countries, you know. But unfortunately, the other country, they went to the competition to be, to be recognized as a great power. And to be recognized as a great power, they use all means and tools uh, possible and available, starting from low intensity up to the kinetic uh, use, and they use also paramilitaries like in uh, Ukraine, you know. Uh, for them, it's nothing different if I compare with the Soviet period. They kind of tells to the West that we are threatened and they are building the buffer zone. Therefore, this is their area of interest. They are protecting their people who lives like in Estonia and Latvia in the countries. So they use this argument. They put in, uh, what uh, was it, the year 2008, I think, he, uh, during the Bucharest summit when he mentioned that, that they have a right to protect their people uh, residing abroad, you know. Uh, and uh, they even right. uh, passed the legislation in the country to protect. Of course, this could be used as a uh, context for preemptive strike and actually what they did uh, in principle in, in uh, Ukraine or in Georgia is kind of protecting their public. You know, it's, uh, of course, it's kind of difficult to say that there is more disinformation than true. That's what I, I thought. <laughs> um, you did mention as well the, the threat of using compatriots in the protection of compatriots as a pretext. I mean, we, we certainly saw potential uh, risk of that in Tallinn during the bronze soldier riots, you know, and you mentioned Georgia and Ukraine. Is NATO prepared to respond to this sort of action by Russia, should it ever emerge in, in the east of, of Estonia, say east of, east of Latvia? <laughs> That's something reminds me, like in 2004, we expect that NATO will do everything for us. Actually, no, the defense of our homeland starts with education of our people and training of our society at the first and to building resilience in order to act as an individual and in order also to act as an organization uh, and uh, having the uh, comprehensive approach, building the capacity of all the institutions to respond to the crisis. This is the, my role as a Latvian general to defend my own country. And then NATO, of course, as an ally, will come and help. Of course, I can say it uh, loudly that it's uh, the NATO and henceforward uh, troops in the Baltics and in Poland is same like uh, Western Berlin during the Soviet the Soviet times uh, day, uh, during the uh, Cold War period, where all this, at that time, I think it was about 15, 16 nations, uh, all were present with the flags with a few people. But of course, there were brigades of uh, France, there was a brigade of UK, and there was an American brigade in Western Berlin. That showed the solidarity, cohesion of the NATO uh, towards the Soviet Union. And that's exactly what we are doing now to showing the, the Russian that uh, we are united and we are cohesive and we will respond if you will come. So a final question, um, how important is the Canadian EFP in Latvia to not just Latvia, but the Baltic states, if you can comment on that. Yeah, of course, uh, as a Latvian general, that's actually my duty. First of all, I have to express the high, very high appreciation of my government, of my public, towards the Canadian government, to, towards the Canadian military and political leadership, and also to the public to supporting actions in the Baltics, uh, that's, and actually in Europe. That is great that Canada returned to the Europe. I know there is a, a more engagement, in, not only in the Baltics, uh, but also in Ukraine, in Romania, and in that direction. Yeah. From Canada's side, I think this is the, exactly what the allies should do if some feels threatened.